In the 2010s, superhero culture went from nerdy and niche to the most profitable genre in entertainment. Those of us who grew up in the 90s get to remember the campy, stylized Daredevil and Fantastic Four movies with great fondness, only to watch our favorite characters team up for the highest grossing franchise of all time. When talking about the superhero boom, where does it start? Does it start with Superman in 1978, the first big superhero hit? Or Batman a decade later? Neither of them spurned a franchise worth remembering. Does it start with X-Men in 2000? Or maybe Spider-Man two years later? Both of which kicked off a franchise and led Marvel to spend eight years releasing standalone flicks set to bad music? Or do we flip back to DC with The Dark Knight, the first superhero movie to be a great movie, genre aside? Or do we start with Iron Man in 2008? A ballsy move by a struggling company who'd been broke a decade earlier, thriving only off of kids' animated TV shows. Marvel climbed out of poverty in the 2000s by selling its properties' rights off to other production companies. Relatively, it succeeded. The age of comics was shrinking in popularity. The animated shows weren't profitable enough. So why didn't they just take good enough for good enough and keep letting Sony and Fox do its dirty work? Marvel knew there was magic in their characters. They knew it was a risk worth taking. In 2008, they produced their own movie for the first time led by indie icon John Favreau and the very public druggie in recovery, Robert Downey Jr. They didn't kick off their new self-funded franchise with an A-list character, but a superhero that, albeit loved by comic people and hugely important in its canon, was pretty unknown by the average viewer. Not exactly a home run pick. They didn't even have a complete script by the time they started filming. This wasn't only a huge financial risk, but they took an even bigger gamble. They used the remaining characters as collateral. If they failed, it was all but over. <laughs> it paid off. Against a $140 million budget, Iron Man made Marvel almost $600 million. Despite that being a massive win, the success of the franchise it spawned makes that number seem like nothing. Kevin Feige, John Favreau, and RDJ turned this gamble into a franchise so successful that a film falling short of $1 billion feels like a failure. DC, who'd had Marvel's number for decades, tried and repeatedly failed to match the shared universe approach. It didn't avoid being considered a cliche superhero movie, but it wasn't campy. It was funny and witty, but not at the expense of the story. It wasn't afraid to spend money, knowing damn well they'd make it back. And most importantly, it finally made superheroes cool. The MCU has thrived for 14 years and counting because of the precedents set by the gamble that was 2008's Iron Man. Alright, this is the Wrong Opinion MCU Rewatch with Jay Clark and my brother, BJ Clark. Say hi, BJ. Hi, BJ. How did I know you are going to say that? Probably because you say it every <laughs> single time. That so we have, we have a ton of different categories here. We're going to go through the best moments, some of the worst moments, and how it sits in the MCU lore. But most importantly, BJ, what do you think of when you think of Iron Man? I think that Iron Man, like you mentioned in your preface, came out when I was at the perfect time to watch superhero movies. You know, I, I just thought he was so cool, you know? And the 
the character of Iron Man is more layered and interesting than most of the superheroes that you see beforehand. Um, so it really brought in this new genre and um, just really fun to watch. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is that I made superheroes so much cooler than they've ever been. Like, we don't look up to Tommy McGuire doing a little snappy dance. We can look up to a guy like Tony Stark, right? And it just made it, it made it cool. So let's go through some of these categories. You want to pick the first category or do you want me to pick the first category? Go for it. Go for it. We're going to go with the Taika Waititi Award for the funniest moment of the movie. One super underrated one is in that first scene where the soldier is trying to throw up the peace sign and Tony's like, no, don't do that. I'm just kidding. I'd be out of a job with peace. That line is so funny. I'd be out of a job with peace. It's just like a throwaway line, but I love that one. What about you? What do you got up there on funniest moment? Um, yeah, I actually, so spoiler alert, I have that a mention of that I would be out of the job without peace in a different part. Um, so it's I it's definitely not a throwaway line. Um, I have the piece where um, Rhodey is on the plane and um, they he's like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And then they end up wasted. And then there's like the flight attendants dancing and there's like a stripper pole. And as, as PG as a PG 13, I guess, as it can get. But it's just like a funny just kind of shows how tony stark like breaks down the straight man so it yeah. like introduces character but it's also like that was my favorite piece yeah we're gonna talk about Rhodey a lot later in picking nits because i love terrence Howard and him is the straight man i like that more than than don Tito. but seeing yeah tony break him down and that's kind of a precedent that iron man sets with the mcu too like it's gonna be a little more adult theme but still kid friendly especially when disney came around and no more tobacco in those but I think the funniest line is Pepper's burn on Christine Everhart, where she's saying, I do anything and everything that Tony desires, including sometimes taking out the trash. Will that be all? Do you remember watching that at home one time and dad like burst out laughing? Like I thought he was going to have a heart attack. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, that's a good question. Did you see this movie in theaters? I probably did. I saw yeah, I would have seen this movie in theaters. I'd have been eleven years old. Okay. Why? I'm I'm just trying to think of the first like superhero movie that I saw in theaters, and this has got to be one of them, one of the earlier ones. I remember seeing Spider-Man Two in theaters in 2004, because my parents said that if I learned how to ride a bike, I could watch Spider-Man Two in theaters. So that's the first one I remember watching. The first half especially um, definitely starts out a lot lighter and then obviously um, kind of evolves pretty quickly. Yeah. most. I mean, that's, again, another precedent. The MCU's or the, the Iron Man side of the MCU is that there's going to be a lot of humor in these. And it didn't really... I think Guardians of the Galaxy was the first one to like be, this is going to be straight up a comedy. And then Ant-Man took that another level and then Ragnarok like blew that out of the water. But that was a really important thing. And that's why having a guy like John Favreau direct and a guy like Robert Downey Jr. who's done a lot of comedy including Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live that was a really cool move by them and most of this was not most of this but a lot of this was improv because they didn't finish the script 
So a lot of this was improv and that added to a lot of the humor. Yeah. All right, you pick an award now. Actually, because that's, that's pretty interesting. I remember that it came out recently and um, Jeff Bridges was like, this was so weird. This is such a weird movie to make. It's like a, like an indie movie almost. Yeah, I have that in random trivia. So I'm going to throw this out right now because you brought it up. Jeff Bridges, he was he's a classically trained actor. He's used to following lines verbatim. He said it was like making a $200 million student film, but it's the most fun he's ever had in a movie. Next All award right. coming from BJ. What award are we giving out? Okay, uh, so we're going to do uh, the Hawkeye Award for the most unexpectedly inspiring moment. There are um, yeah, there's it's it's kind of like a combination um, for me, but um, I'm gonna go like Yinsen is uh, super inspiring, um, and just the moment when like Tony's like, I'm gonna die, like I'm gonna die this week no matter what, and he's like, well, this is a very important week for you. That part yeah, was like, that was a great one. I didn't write that one down, but that was a really really good one. Like this is an important yeah. week. You're gonna die. Might as well make something out of it. And then yeah. when Yinsen's about to die, I wrote this one down when he just says, "Don't waste your life, Stark." that's cool because he doesn't i have the same one and i mean the the, i mean hopefully we've all like this is the rewatch so it's it's so interesting rewatch because tony stark's whole life like he's trying to not do this to not waste his life and it you feel like he's like struggling with that until his like very end that feels like it like hung with him for the entire story yeah i agree a couple other honorable mentions i'll throw out there uh where he says tony says it's an imperfect world but it's the only one we got that's a great line like in a vacuum it's kind of inspiring but he was also defending war profiteering so it's not that inspiring and just when he says he's it's super simple but he just goes i refuse when uh the terrorists are trying to make him make the jericho missile that was pretty cool but my number one, I shouldn't be alive unless it was for a reason. I'm not crazy, Pepper. I just finally know what I have to do. And I know in my heart that it's right. And that's the change from Playboy Tony to Iron Man. That's that whole mindset in a few words. All right. I'm going to pick going Ragnarok Award for character cinematic peak because I want to see how you answered this. Because I don't think there's many. Well, I put Obadiah Stane. Um, oh, okay. Well, he dies at the end, so that's his peak. This is cinematic peak. I, I just really wanted to, you know, call out how good of a villain he was. I wish it wasn't his end. Like, you don't really see him die, I guess. You kind of see him die, but it's like, it feels like he had the chance to come back if this was like a comic book. Um, so he was a great bad guy and um the whole twist of i'm the one that locked you out tony like mm-hmm. that like obviously like you mentioned he's a he's a great actor but um perfect first villain for the mcu yeah second second villain villain not that great but first no, no second villain not that cool and he's apparently making a reappearance um Two things of what you said that were in my useless trivia and random notes sections. Useless trivia. So he was originally not going to die. They were going to have his suit 
shows shoot being like incinerated to show that like he wasn't in it when he died it's like oh where'd he go when he's gonna return i'm kind of glad they didn't because that's happened a lot recently so starting off with that would set a even more negative precedent um, um i think that there is not really much of an argu argument for anybody not pepper she peaks in about six years and then not war machine that's I don't know when he peaks. We'll get back to that later. Oh, um, and really? definitely not Tony. He's the only one like really with an argument just because that's when you see the growth. There's something to be said about watching the growth happen. But I mean, he's a better person in later movies. He has got better tech and just looks cooler. Uh, so I guess by default, it's Jensen because he's the only character that was in two movies that was better in this movie than the other one, right? He was in two movies. That is true. Because they have the, they mention in this one Jensen said that he met Tony once, but Tony was so drunk, he's not surprised that he remembered or that he doesn't remember it. And then in Iron Man 3, he meets uh, Jensen the same day that he meets the, uh, the arm flame guy, dragon tattoo man. I will rewatch that one, remember his name next time. That was awesome. Uh, what about you? Next category. You want to start picking nits? Let's pick some nits. Okay. All right. So some nitpicks. Um, okay. So in the movie, uh, he's in the cave and, um, you know, he had the surgery on him and he's in this filthy cave and he's got a battery pack attached to him. And randomly, he changes clothes three times in, in the whole series. It's like, where'd you get these extra clothes? Did they like take his suitcase with him when they kidnapped him? Because that seems strangely considerate. You don't think terrorists have clothing too? Clothing too? I feel like one terrorist would have a similar size to him. He probably wore terrorist clothes. I don't think it was his clothes. Why would the terrorists give him their clothes? Well, then he'd have to see him naked. Well, I mean, he could just wear his bloody, filthy suit. Uh, that's not that's not healthy. That's unhealthy. Terrorists have standards. My biggest, my biggest nit to pick. They should have paid Terrence Howard. He he made more money than RDJ in this movie because RDJ was in a little bit of a flight risk, and Terrence Howard was not. And then uh, he was going to make less than RDJ in the second one, and he refused that. And then Don Chino came in, and we all love him as War Machine. But Terrence Howard is better as the straight man and going off the the funny guy, the witty guy. Now there's just two witty guys, and I, it just makes more sense as like those two being friends, the chemistry. Uh, second nit to pick. This is the first of many good guy fights bad guy with the same superpowers in solo introductory MCU movies. And that gets frustrating. And last one, another Jensen-related one. When Jensen and Tony are talking in the cave, Tony's talking about how he doesn't have a family. And then Jensen says, so you're a man who has everything and nothing. Like, hasn't he been through enough? Chill, Jensen. Come on. Yeah, he's like lecturing savage. him while, while he's like in the worst situation possible. Yeah. I got a couple more. More nits. So yeah, so he's in the cave. He builds this Iron Man, you know, gear. He's wearing leather gloves. Why? Why is he wearing leather gloves? And he starts punching people. That seems like he's broken every single bone in his hand. I think when he punches, though, if you watch it, like there's like a thing that sticks out above his wrist. Like it's kind of like a Wolverine claw, but coming from the wrist. Okay. But, I mean, I feel like, yeah, that's kind of, especially when he lands too, like he's landing, his fingers are going to be all mangled because there's metal going yeah. in there. That's a good nip. That's a good nip. Uh, a couple more. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I guess 
there's no blood at all in the movie. But except like after it's a classic, you don't see the blood when they get shot. You see the blood after. Yeah. Like, to see that yeah. minute of fight, yeah. Yeah, like when he, when the guy shoots him in the head and it bounces off his his armor and shoots himself right in the head. Yeah. Oh, another, it's not MC related, but it was another 2008 movie. The Dark Knight was the same way. Like people get littered with bullets and then just be like, oh, I'm dead. There's no blood or anything. Nothing from my no inside coming outside. There's just a big hole in my body. And that's it. That's an interesting thing about the uh, the Netflix shows is there are Very brains. There are brains. You hear the, the blushing. We should All right, do, I'm. Uh, Likes rewatch. I got one more. I got one more. We got one more knit. Oh, I hit oh, the last. Okay. These are all like I, I hate doing this, and like I feel like our other brother Josh, when I do this because I shouldn't be like questioning a sci a sci fi you know comic book movie, but when he's testing all his stuff out, like he takes a serious beating, and <laughs> he's the smartest guy in the world, right? Like you. Yeah. Try some of these stuff like without. He's a crash test dummy the first couple times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That actually we missed that for funniest moments when he he says you know, sort of one percent or whatever or twenty percent. He's like, okay, go. <laughs> Slaps against the wall. That was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna go the Captain Marvel award for the character that inexplic- inexplicably didn't help save the world. Now, I'm saying the world wasn't in much jeopardy here. So there's not a lot, there's not really a lot of, like Captain Marvel wouldn't come save some random, you know, businessman in, in Los Angeles. But you'd think Agent Coulson would have been a little more helpful in the final fight. He didn't really do anything. He's like, we're going to arrest him. Oh, he's got a suit. I'm going to hide, pretend I'm hurt. I'm glad Coulson died. A loser. What a loser. He didn't die though. Yeah, I actually, so I put Tony Stark because I feel like he invented this this tiny, like, super powerful reactor and he didn't use it to save us from climate change and that have you like have i you ever I heard feel of like them talking have you ever heard of them talk about climate change in the mcu how do you know he didn't solve it you don't know that's true i feel like the whole movie should have been just like him instead of like you know creating this iron man just him mass producing these uh these arc reactors and saving the world that would have been a would really be interesting, like, Oscar bait drama that doesn't make any money but gets awesome ratings. Um, okay, so let's do the Age of Ultron Award for this was way cooler after seeing the next five movies. Um, so I, I put the mentions to the Ten Rings because um, if you don't, like, really think about it or you don't pay attention, you don't realize that it's the t- same Ten Rings that show up, like, later on in the mcu mm-hmm. and you're like oh it's just like these terrorists um these just kind of generic terrorists that are just trying to wreck the world but the ten rings is obviously a uh, much more ancient and elaborate organization yes i agree those are the couple i i had that one too that's the obvious one with shang chi especially coming out just last year i didn't love shang chi that was a nice little callback and then the uh, the Yinsen callback. That was a nice little, oh, I get to see him again. Um, but the Ten Rings callback was way cooler seeing, seeing later. One that's kind of a stretch is the, when he says, power something big for 15 minutes. 
like maybe an Infinity Gauntlet. Well, that's a stretch callback, callback. But the best callback by far, I think, was Far From Home. You remember that one? going through how uh, Mysterio got all of his buddies to come work with him, a bunch of people that hated Stark and why they hated Stark. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, product development guy, you didn't even, because we saw him a couple times too, but he's just, we wouldn't recognize him. But then they show the clip of, of the, Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. It's like, oh, that's that guy. That's Far from home, no way home. I was confused those two. They're very why different films. Why do they have to do that? It's like naming your children Luke and Logan. Like you're just gonna yeah. mix them up. Yeah, don't do that. Don't ever yeah. do that. But another just kind of cross the board one is just seeing him make this technology that we're so accustomed to seeing. Just like, oh yeah, it's you know he flies. Yeah. We spaceships. It's cool. But just going back and seeing him be the engineer and make all this stuff. That was that was cool to watch too. Uh, I'm going to go with the best fight, and then I'll go with the worst fight next. The best fights are all of the scenes with Iron Man versus the terrorists. They're so unlike what we see in a lot of MCU movies now. It's like an ultimately powerful hero against just useless human henchmen. We see that sometimes with Thor, but it's just like throwaway scenes. But that it was like an intense fight where he's struggling, but he's he just can't be stopped. The Mark One armor breaking out of the cave is like a pantheon fight in the MCU, I think. I like that. Those are good choices. Um, I did not put either of those. Um, so that's great uh, <laughs> um i think the uh him fighting the terrorists it reminds me of infinity war where you just see like thanos just like ripping through people like just casually like it's just yeah. like it's a little terrifying and fun so best for best fight scene um did you put where did you do your worst fight scene uh yeah i, I kind of i kind of cheated a little bit so you can go ahead first uh my best fight scene and worst fight scene are actually different points of the same kind of extended fight scene and that's the one at the end um so it's kind of like the, the climax there um the when um warmonger stain is uh chasing ironmonger iron, yeah, iron Mon- what is wrong with me <laughs> edit this <laughs> leaving that in <laughs> yeah, we edit my we edit my mistakes now we can keep your mistakes in yeah you should make yourself look really good and then like keep all the bloopers of of everybody else um <laughs> when when obas diastain is chasing pepper and then like she's like running through the the building and like he runs into the wall and like that's yeah. that's pretty terrifying and if this was that a rated r that would be an awesome piece that would be an yeah. awesome part of their movie yeah, um i was watching that with uh kelsey and she literally like was like that was kind of scary i was there yeah it's kind of like the uh, the whole chasing black widow scene a couple years down the road that was pretty cool yeah same same kind of vibe uh but then like the end i i didn't like the end where he's like how'd you fix the ice cream problem i, I, thought, I thought that was kind of cheesy i didn't like that sorry what i i that's okay so for cheesiest fight scene i put Stain versus Tony is the only real candidate because it's basically two fights. It's like him versus Terrace. Well, I guess there's three. Him and Golmira Gal- and then him and Breaking Out and then uh, him versus Stain. Um, but it wasn't really that cheesy. Like uh, the CGI riddled fights can often be bad because it's just like, oh, punch, blast, blast. But like he was using his brain and the two ways he fought wasn't just by overpowering him or anything. I, I love the 
you, I can't believe he didn't like the the icing thing. Yeah. Because he it was a callback to earlier in the movie that we just thought was a throwaway thing, and it came back to it like how you saw the icing. I can't believe he didn't like that. Yeah, I don't know. I just I felt like like it wasn't horrible. Um, actually, I thought the fight scenes were really good, especially considering yeah. the CGI. And when we talked about when we talk about CGI, we'll get into that more. But um, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to choose, I think that there were better fight scenes. So okay, that's why I said I cheated because I said that was the cheesiest one, but I still thought it was good. Uh, are you up? You're up. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the worst CGI. All right. Poorly aged CGI. Um, so I think any time where it's just him and it's assembling around him, that's where you could really tell that it was crappy CGI. Not yeah. crappy, but you could tell that it's CGI. Um, the fight scenes were actually good, and it's it's probably a good like, um, kind of point that if you're doing CGI. If you put a whole bunch of stuff, make a whole bunch of stuff going on in it, then it generally looks better. So like the the assembling, and that's actually like if you watch the DVD, that's like the main menu of the DVD. That's like clearly bad CGI. Mm, I haven't heard the word DVD in, in probably 30 years now. You still watch DVDs? You just took a, a DVD from me. Blu-ray, yes. streamer, whatever. Um, I did just I did just take a DVD from you yesterday. Yeah, this movie was shot more practically than later ones, especially with Tony's suit because he has the actual suit. But when he's getting suited up, because you don't have you know the actual robots putting it on, you can definitely tell there that it's kind of aged C- CGI. Uh, I'm gonna go best and worst of the exposition scenes. Uh, so I don't think there was a bad exposition scene, um, but the explaining how Tony got to where he was right after the intro, which. By the way, I'm going to talk about this later, but just great intro. Like you get to the action and then it cuts back. It's like, this is what we're talking about, but it has it as like a short video at an award show. It's something that it's like, it's not like a new idea. People do that all the time. Like we're going to watch a video that the actual characters are watching too. So we'll figure out what's going on here, but it was, it was, it was good. Not cheesy. Great exposition scenes. I am a big fan of good exposition scenes. What about you? Do you think basically that was the only exposition scene? Do you think it was good or bad? Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, I thought it was kind of, um, yeah, like you said, it's not a super like new idea of kind of introducing characters, um, but I thought it was pretty smooth into kind of introducing him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because like Marvel Comics always, well, MCU always kind of like tries to find the good line of how much do we need to actually introduce about this character? Um, because these are characters that have these rich stories that many people already know. So you can kind of just say, oh, he's a rich kid. He's really smart. Yeah. And plus, I another, this is just random, but they could have totally have it come out that Obadiah Stane killed his parents because that just would have made sense in the movie, but they didn't, and that allowed yeah. us to have Bucky kill did his we, parents. Did we have missed opportunities here? Oh, you want? Let's add that. I'm gonna put that in there. What's your missed opportunity? That, that that was one of them. Was that like Stain would end up being the bad guy that killed his parents? But um, obviously, we get a lot more around that later on in the MCU. So I'm okay with that not 
materializing. Yeah. All right. It is your pick or my pick? Your pick. My pick. We're going to do Eternals Award for Could This Have Been a Limited Series? I'm going to say in that era, yes. We would have just seen him fighting more terrorists, getting his stuff back, destroying his own stuff. Like like when he said, there's only the next mission. That's like, oh, was that going to be what this is about? Him destroying all the stuff? And then Obadiah Sand comes into the picture. Uh, it would have been a good watch. It wouldn't have started the MCU if that were the case. So happy it didn't. But it would have been cool. Yeah, I at first I was like, oh, that would be stupid. Because um, I think it works so well as a standalone movie. Even if the MCU didn't work out, this would have been a great movie. But the more that I thought about it, the more like, oh, this would be kind of cool. It's like, have you seen Lincoln Lawyer? I'm not seeing Lincoln Lawyer. I, I feel like they could tweak the plot a little bit and make it kind of like a trying to figure out who's setting him up. So that he didn't like really try to figure that out too much. It just kind of like came out that it was Stain. So yeah, like yeah. If, if they kind of spread that out over a series and like he's going on these missions to kind of uncover who who sold him out and who's doing all these things, um, that would have been pretty interesting. That would have been pretty interesting. And it is BJ's pick. Um, okay. Answers to questions that don't need to be asked. Uh, and I actually have a, a few of these. And it kind of goes along with useless trivia. So I hope I did this right. Um, <laughs> so uh, when Jensen says something in Hungarian, um, do you remember that? Yeah. When he's like, I don't, they're speaking Hungarian. I only know a few things in Hungarian. Speak Hungarian. <laughs> yeah. I thought like I thought it would be funny if it was like he said something like horribly offensive to them or something. <laughs> he just says one minute. That's what he says. No, oh, that's a helpful thing to know. He only knows yeah. two words in Hungarian and that's what he knows. Yeah. Uh there's another one. Okay, so Tony Stark, there's he's got this keyboard and it's got random weird symbols on it. Have you seen that? No. I, I think can't picture the actually it's actually throughout like all of the movies. Anytime he's on a keyboard, look at the keyboard. weird symbols on the keyboard. Okay, weird like hieroglyphs, and like people, obviously like it looks fancy, but people talk about like it's because he's trying to like he has these shortcuts for typing, and so like he's optimized his uh his keystrokes. Uh so Nerd. there's there's an answer to the question: Why does he have weird symbols on his keyboard? Okay. I took this a much different way. And because I wrote the categories, my way is correct. Uh, I posed questions that didn't make any sense. And I answered them with ridiculous answers. Uh, first one, why does the Ten Rings leader treat his slave so poorly? Like, of course, you're going to try to kill him. I don't have an answer. He should have been a little bit nicer. Just order him a pizza or something. You catch more flies with honey, right? And sure. number two, why wouldn't he keep a guard consistently inside the work area? Like, that's just bad management overall. Like, he's mean, and then he doesn't, like, watch them. If you're going to be mean, you got to be mean with an iron fist. You can't be mean and then just let them, you know. You got, you got a camera. Yeah. You don't know what they're doing in there. Yeah, generally, um, keep two captives. Just keep one captive. They, they really should have just killed Jensen. They should have killed Jensen. Most important yeah. question. Do you think Jarvis watches Tony bang I think because based on the fact that Vision got in a serious relationship at three years old, I think Jarvis was a perv, so I say definitely yes. 
yeah he's it's like some serious like child abuse to an ai this is your pick um let's see what do we have left we've got can uh, you skip it can you skip it in your mcu rewatch so if you needed to have an expedited trip of watching all of the mcu movies would you choose this as part of so this is like if you're showing this to a friend you're trying to catch them up black panther comes out next week you're trying to get in contact with everything and do you show my iron man what do you say so i said yes but actually no Mm. because it's really important to just like you know it created the mcu however it became so big and so popular that everybody knows who tony stark is and who iron man is and who they know what happens without even watching the movie so mm-hmm. it's kind of like they did so good of a job of introducing him that it's kind of like spider-man like you don't really need an origin story anymore yeah there's probably like eight movies that you actually need to watch and you really shouldn't skip this one but if you're just getting the gist you can you can just start with avengers they kind of introduce all like they introduce everybody basically in avengers like they reintroduce it so i, I gave it a six out of ten on the need to rewatch scale because like you really should watch it but like you're probably fine not watching it by the way, like speaking of setting up the MCU, I totally forgot that like they had already cast Samuel Jackson in this movie. Um, Cutting into useless trivia, that wasn't going to be released. It wasn't released on the initial theatrical releases, but it was on the later ones and then uh, for the DVD release because they weren't totally sure yet that it was going to work. So they weren't going to promise a, a franchise that wasn't going to come true. Take notes, DC. But uh, it paid off. It went well, so they put it in there. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of a fun time when that stuff wasn't, like, just mandatory. Those, like, post-credit scenes. Yeah. They become, that, like, everybody waits for them now. And even like, not in MC movies, we're waiting for post-credit scenes. Yeah. Like, like, the X-Men movies, like, we watched those movies a lot of times before we even knew that there was a scene at the end. I don't think I saw the nick fury scene in iron man until probably right before avengers came out because people started saying hey did you guys you guys see this guy maybe it was after iron man too i don't know uh, i'm gonna go with the most frustrating MacGuffin. there's only really one MacGuffin in this one it's not very frustrating uh the usb drive the pepper snagged when obadiah sand is being creepy but there was important use and that's something that would have would have shifted into uh if, if we're making a tv show making it it would shift it into the most important thing so it's kind of a MacGuffin because it just basically brought up the fact that Obadiah Stane was the bad guy. That's I didn't have anything for that one. So uh, <laughs> yeah, the real MacGuffins start popping up when we see uh, like Phase Two with all the Infinity Stones kind of mean something, but we don't really care about what it means. It's just getting us to the Infinity Gauntlet. It's my pick. Uh, let's see. We got single line. We've got. We didn't already say okay. What's the uh, the I Am Iron Man award for the best single line? So, I Am Iron Man. <laughs> it's the name of the award. It started yeah. a franchise. It it was actually another useless trivia that was improvised. Uh, I'm not sure how the movie ended originally, but that was improvised. Uh, he ran it by Favreau. Favreau said, let's shoot it a couple times, see how it goes. And they had everybody except for Christine uh, Everhart stand up and be like, oh, what's going on? Um, and then Feige saw it. And he's like, yep, this is what we're doing. 
I like it. And then the entire, like, nobody in the MCU has secret identities except for Spider-Man and Daredevil. Are these, so are these uh, podcasts spoiler-free? This is a rewatch, right? So we've already seen them. Yes, this is a rewatch. Everything is already spoiled for you. Plus, it was okay. 14 years ago, so I don't care if you haven't seen it. Well, also, why would you be listening to the MCU rewatch without watching Iron Man? Well, I'm actually going to talk about um, Endgame for a second. Oh, okay. Is that all right? Yeah. Did you know that the I Am Iron Man in Endgame was also improvised? Really? Yeah, they were trying to figure out how to... They were trying to figure out how to end it, and they tried a bunch of different things, and they ended up just doing dead silence. So it's just him and just silence because everything else kind of took away from the fact that he's like suffering. Yeah. And yeah. then, then one of the I don't know who it was, but somebody in post production was like, he uh, stopped it at that point. He played it, did the snap, and then he himself said, "I am Iron Man." And then um, they're like, holy crap. And they're like, let's get back here and film that because that's awesome. Yeah. So that was that's also cool. not the intention. And it worked out pretty well. Okay, that's interesting. A um, couple other great lines. I'd like to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. That's a narrow second because uh, that was the first post-credit scene that was left us like, oh, okay. So new things are happening. This is important. My favorite line. <laughs> Cause it's so fun to say to his inflection, Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. That's a good one. That's a good line. I'm Great surprised line. it's not. That's like very memeable. It is very memeable. Memes weren't a thing in 2008, were they? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I also put the, the what you said earlier the piece, I love piece, be other job with the piece. It's yeah, also that's a good, good one. one. All right, and then we've got what age is the best and worst? The best, Jeff Bridges' chest hair. Ages pretty well. Uh, seeing war profiteer, teer, profiteer, the guy who profits on war, Tony, become the guy who dies for the world. Seeing slut Tony become the guy that doesn't want to die for the world because he has a family. I thought that aged really well. That probably falls more into the uh, what seems cooler a few watches later, but that, that aged pretty well. I don't know how I missed this in the notes that you sent me. So, um, oh, this might've been one that I added as I was watching. Cause I wanted to talk uh, about Jeff Bridges chest hair. Jeff, Jeff Bridges chest hair did age pretty well. I'll talk about what did not age very well. Talk about it. Uh, Tony's, uh, playboyness. I think. Yeah. One fly in. Fly, which yeah, is kind especially of in the disney world yeah yeah that's the big thing i think is if it was owned by disney at that point they wouldn't they would cut that out and it wouldn't be the same yeah but it's kind of nice because if like you you start i mean obviously it's still a pg-13 movie it's still for kids but if you start a little rougher you can go cleaner it's going the other way around is sometimes a little trickier yeah, they went clean for a while, and then by like Gardens of Galaxy, they threw a couple in there, and then the last few have been a little bit, a little bit raunchy. You're talking about orgies in, in space with Zeus. Spoilers to our two listeners. Um, I don't think anything ages super poorly. Um, I mean, we see a lot of cool tech in future movies, 
but seeing him like make the tech, I think, um, seeing them build that tech, this low tech planet, like 10 years later, becoming the one that saves the universe. I think that ages pretty well. And I think that is it for our categories. I'm going to throw out some useless trivia. Uh, a lot of this was ad-libbed. Uh, RDJ was an SNL guy. Favreau was an indie guy who did a lot of, uh, you know, ad-libbing. Uh, and then Gwyneth Paltrow, she had a hard time keeping up. Robert Downey Jr. wanted a lot of takes to get the best feel. And Gwyneth Paltrow was like, I, I'm, you're doing something different every time. How do I handle this? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was selected by Favreau specifically because of his, his bad past. Um, and it got some flack initially because it's like, this guy's a flight risk. Why are we trusting him with what might be a franchise? Um, but he thought he'd play well because Tony, RDJ, both had very public uh, mistakes and very public bounces back. So I, I thought that was cool. Paul Bettany didn't know. He plays Jarvis, obviously, and then later Vision. He didn't know what the movie was after he recorded his lines. He just took two hours, went to a studio, recorded some lines. He was doing it as a favor to his buddy, John Favreau. And then eventually he becomes one of the most important superheroes, gets his own show. Pretty wild there. Uh, last one, Fin Fang Foom. Big uh, dragon guy. He could be spotted on a billboard when they're driving through the city. No way. Keep an eye out for that one. That's interesting. Did you get that one from IMDb? I got all these from IMDb. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, so my useless trivia, I also had that the script was unfinished and uh, ad-libbed. Um, the Ironmonger was a 800-pound puppet, which is kind of cool. Um, and yeah, that's, a, that's another thing. We talked about this a little bit, but the use of practical effects in addition with CAGI makes this era of movies like really good, I think. Um, yeah. It was almost made by Tarantino in the 90s. Oh, no kidding. That would have been something else. That would have been interesting. Been and interesting. They, they featured ACD a lot in the soundtrack. They made ACDC like basically Tony Stark's favorite band because they thought like, we don't know if this movie is going to be good, so let's have a really cool soundtrack and then maybe it'll be, people will be interested in it. It was um, a great soundtrack. I wrote that down for extra notes that it's Probably the best soundtrack other than Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe Ragnarok. That was a pretty good soundtrack. Yeah. But well, it's soundtrack. kind of like it's it kind of ended up like Ragnarok, where you have the popularity of this these songs like spike up because of the movie. Yeah. Any other useless trivia for me? Uh, that's all I got. Oh, but uh, mentioning um the uh rdj stuff um i did want to point out that that was another missed opportunity i thought it'd be interesting in this movie and in the continuing movies if they kind of kind of dove into alcoholism and like went a little bit darker with his kind of struggles uh because that he was is really dark in in a lot of comics and in in these movies like he's just kind of a fun drinker (laughs) not really a uh alcoholic but yeah they throw a little bit in there in iron man 3 but it's still like a past thing and a throwaway scene but uh, yeah yeah they don't delve into it into the superhero iron man is an alcoholic yeah Yeah. but it's it's also like actors don't need to be exploited like it's okay if they want to kind of tell their story through movies but they don't have to (laughs) and i think rdj is kind of the person that 
he wants to move on. So understandable. Understandable. I dig it. The most important question, where does it rank? So thus far it's number one. It's gonna be a number, it's gonna be top three for a while. Number one for the next few movies. Um, but we have four levels. Is it Pantheon? Is it awesome? Is it we dig it? Or is it skippable? What do you got? Oh, I put awesome. So it, it's it's one of the best movies. But wrong opinion. I think that it is awesome. It's it's very unique. It's one of a kind in the MCU. Um, but you know, if I'm gonna choose the top five movies that represent the MCU, um, there's just like it's got low stakes and that makes it fun and enjoyable but kind of the epic level of other movies kind of those make those stories so ambitious and uh, i think that that puts them up on the pantheon see i love well first of all think about the pantheon anybody can be in the pantheon we can have 100 movies in the pantheon that's why we call it pantheon and not top five because we can have as many in the pantheon as we desire and this is definitely a pantheon you can argue it's the best movie in the MCU, even after all the glory of space travel and the wizards and the gods. It's perfectly shot, perfectly written, perfectly acted. And it's got low st- I love low stakes. You talking about it's got low stakes as a negative. I'm sick of all the high stakes. Every single movie in phase four so far, it's like, hey, the world's about to explode. It's like, oh, I don't care anymore. The universe just dying. Get me some low yeah. stakes. All he cares about is saving Pepper and then saving his company, stopping a couple terrorists. Low stakes, I dig it. I'm not saying that low stakes makes it bad. I'm just saying that high stakes gives movies higher ceilings. So you have more potential to screw things up, but you also have stories that are just like jaw droppers. And like, there's a lot of movies in the MCU that if you watch them in theaters, you're like, holy crap, what just happened? And I don't think this, this has a little bit of those moments and altogether it's one of the best movies but um, it doesn't like go up there ceiling wise. I think. Okay, it does have a much. It's got a probably a higher floor because it has those low stakes, but lower lower ceiling. I think just based off the fact, if you, if you're talking about best movies in a vacuum, if like if you're just watching this and watching this and comparing the movies, it's the best movie in the MCU. But you do you have to factor in how it affects the MCU and how other movies relate to it? So I can't tell you it'll be number one for a little bit, for a couple weeks, might be overtaken eventually. I remember when I first saw Endgame, I thought that Iron Man and Endgame were the, were the top two, right? And it's like, oh, the newest one, the oldest one. I, th- I thought that was crazy, but that, we can make some arguments that there's a few other ones. But that is the Iron Man rewatch. My favorite movie for several years, but RDJ back on the map and spurn an entire franchise of films and video games and Disney Walt Disney World resort packages made that old mouse a bunch of money. Congratulations, Robert Downey Jr. Who would you say won the biggest from this movie? Anybody who had stock in Marvel. Anybody uh, who had stock in Marvel. <laughs> Uh, John Favreau, I think. 
um you know he he got this chance to create the mcu um to a certain degree and that you know he he really blew that up and um i think he ends up doing the same thing kind of with star wars and um and with the disney whatever live action movies he becomes this person that creates universes um alongside you know kevin um but i think john favreau champion goes john favreau congratulations john favreau thanks for listening this was the wrong opinion bj had a couple of those all of my opinions are right as usual thanks for listening guys as always you can check me out with my writing on startfacts.com that's s-t-a-r-t-e facts.com keep listening we've got the incredible hulk coming out next week uh, with me and my little sister Maisie, who was four years old when the incredible hulk came out so i thought that'd be kind of cool perspective there uh so keep checking us out thanks for listening peace